love one another, forgive, judge not, fear not. It's all such great advice with beautiful outcomes, but none of those principles is a one-step process. So let's talk specifics, the messy step-by-step. Welcome to, but how though, in a bunch of other spiritual conundrums. Welcome back to, but how though, and a bunch of other spiritual conundrums. I hope that you had a very lovely Thanksgiving. I want to keep going with the gratitude and acceptance idea. The gratitude and acceptance of difficult experiences so that we can really examine what it means to rejoice in all the different ways Team Universe works in our lives, even the unpleasant ones. Two examples of this that come to mind for me are Zacharias, Jesus's uncle in the New Testament, and Mary, Jesus's mom. Zacharias was a priest. He and his wife were good, solid people. In Luke 1, it described this couple as walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. I don't know a lot of people that can be described that way. They also had no children. Maybe that's the causal link. <laughs> Maybe it's easier to be blameless if you don't have children. I don't know. It sounds to me like they did their best daily. Zacharias had duties, though, at the temple as a priest in Jerusalem. And so sometimes he would need to come and spend a few days in Jerusalem to fulfill his duties. The time he was visited by an angel, his duties were to burn the incense at the table. A whole bunch of other people were outside praying while he did this, and he was inside burning the incense. Mary, Jesus's mom, has a somewhat shorter description. She is basically described as a virgin who was espoused to Joseph of the house of David. That's it. Uh, So basically, she's just an engaged virgin. We don't hear very much about her until the angel starts talking. And then we learn a whole lot about her, actually. But Gabriel comes to Zacharias first. He appears next to the altar of incense, which scared Zacharias. And so Gabriel says... Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Reassures him, hey, don't be afraid. I'm here to answer your prayers. Your wife, Elizabeth, she's going to have a son. Call him John. And then he proceeds to make promises. Promises to Zacharias and promises about the boy. He goes into a lot of detail, actually. He says, you'll have a lot of joy and gladness. Many people will rejoice at this baby's birth. And this baby will be filled with the Holy Ghost from the get-go. It is basically his job to prepare the way for the Messiah. And in Jewish culture at this time, they were all looking forward to the Messiah, who was described as the Savior of the world. And as you might imagine, Zacharias had a few questions. In verse 18, says, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. Now, this question, whereby shall I know this, is a very interesting question. He's not just saying, how is that going to work? I'm old and my wife's old. He says, how will I know? How will I know that this is the truth? The question expresses a certain amount of doubt. Let's look at that for a minute. Doubt is typically rooted in fear. And Gabriel was pretty clear when he said, hey, this is good news. I've got good news. We are answering your prayers here. My question then was, what was Zacharias so afraid of? 
why was he expressing doubt? His fear seems to be rooted in the fact that he didn't believe it was possible. Maybe because he wasn't quite daring to hope for that. Now, Zacharias gets a whole lot of heat from us here. But we got to take a look at what really happened. Zacharias is described as a guy who is a good and solid person. He was doing his best daily. He was walking in all the commandments of the Lord blameless. He probably prayed every day. And probably when he and his wife were young and during the childbearing years, he probably prayed for a child every day. But maybe at this point, he had stopped praying for a child. Maybe he had long since stopped praying for a child. Maybe because he was such a stalwart follower, he had also just accepted that this was maybe one desire team universe just wasn't going to grant. And he was going to be faithful anyway. So then all of a sudden, an angel shows up next to the altar and tells him face to face, hey, good news. You're going to get a son. He's going to be awesome. You're going to have joy and gladness. He'll be surrounded by Team Universe from the get-go because he's got a big job to do with the team. He's going to prep a lot of hearts for the Messiah. Zacharias says, "Uh, this is what I've always wanted. Can it be? Is it possible? Just because he wants a little more reassurance, it sounds like. He says to the angel, how shall I know that this is true? And Gabriel is super awesome right here. In verse 19, he says, uh, I'm, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And then he reminds him, these are glad tidings. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I'm, I'm here. I'm standing here and I wasn't here two seconds ago. I appeared out of nowhere and I told you I came from God's presence. He sent me to tell you these things. What do you mean? How will you know? I, I'm literally here to tell you. That's how you'll know, because I came. (laughs) And then he says in verse 20, Behold, thou shalt be dumb and unable to speak, because thou believest not my words. Now, this sounds a lot like a punishment. This sounds a lot like, well, because you didn't believe, then here's your sign. Here's what you're going to get. But Zacharias All he did was pause and he just asked a simple question. But how though? I'm old. My wife's old. How can this be the miracle that's meant for me? I've already given up on this miracle. (laughs) And he gave himself reasons to doubt, possibly even just asking for confirmation or reassurance from Gabriel that this could possibly be for him. Can it be? Can it be? Is this really for me? And then he was struck dumb. And before we go looking at that as a big punishment for a guy that felt nervous about believing in possibly good news, (laughs) okay, let's think about that trial or miracle or the answer that was given him. He was struck dumb. Yes, that can sound very much like a punishment, especially given the fact that he said, because thou believest not my words. But if you're talking about Team Universe, who doesn't just punish people because they offend them, Team Universe doesn't need us to believe in them simply because they want believers, And so when we don't, they're offended and they have to do something to us to get vengeance on us for that disbelief. That is not how they operate. But they do, however, give us ways we can strengthen our faith and give us opportunities to take it even farther, to stretch ourselves, to face our fear. And he was struck dumb, which gives him an opportunity now to observe and ponder. 
if we really, really look at what Gabriel has said to him, he didn't take away any of the promises. He wasn't punished by, okay, well, I guess you don't have enough faith to have this baby. It wasn't that. None of the promises that were given to him were taken away. His miracle was still given, and he got to see, watch, and process the process without the use of his words, because that's what his faith needed. And at the end, when he could speak again, he bore a beautiful testimony about how Team Universe fulfills all their promises in verse 72, about serving without fear in verse 74, and that Team Universe loves us so much that they want us to know things in verse 77 and 78. So they show us through love and in miraculous ways. They give light and they guide our feet. Those are Zacharias's words. This is not a dude that was forced to sit in a corner and not participate in the miracle given to he and his wife. That's a man that got a blessing that was hard. He couldn't speak the entire time that his wife was pregnant. (laughs) In order to teach him what he needed to know and give him knowledge that he would need to give that baby boy, John. John was going to need that testimony so that he could perform his role on Team Universe's team. And so what was given to Zacharias in order for him to know what he needed to know, proceed how he needed to proceed, and then pass that on to baby John, he had to go through being struck dumb. Well, when Elizabeth, his wife, is almost six months along, Gabriel, who's a very busy dude, goes to Mary. Hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. I mean, three power sentences. And she was scared and thinks to herself, okay, what manner of salutation is this? Which is basically like, what does this kind of greeting mean? What, what's about to follow? What am I going to hear now? And Gabriel says, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And then he proceeds to tell her maybe the most terrifying thing a virgin fiance could hear at that point. You're going to get pregnant not by the guy you're engaged to, and you're going to give birth. Call him Jesus, okay? So he starts by saying how awesome she is, how blessed she is, how choice she is among women, and then proceeds to tell her, so now you're going to go through about the worst trial a girl of your age and religion could face. He gives the promise about the experience and about the boy. He shall be great. He's the son of the highest. There's no end to his kingdom. He's the Messiah. And she has a couple of questions. (laughs) How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Now, her question expressed doubt possibly, or maybe just a desire for further information, because according to her understanding of the way things work, how's she going to get pregnant? She's a virgin. She didn't say, how will I know that it's true that this is going to happen, like Zacharias did. She wasn't necessarily having a tough time believing that it could be possible. It was more like, how's that going to work? And he answered. He said, the Holy Ghost is going to come. The power of the highest is going to overshadow you. That child will be called the son of God. It was absolutely imperative that she, quote, knew no man because she had to be a virgin to fulfill the prophecy. 
Then Gabriel tells Elizabeth's news, which is very exciting and very miraculous. Oh, by the way, your cousin is pregnant also, which is super exciting because she's very old and she's wanted a baby her whole life. And now she's finally getting one. Isn't that great? And Mary's like, yeah, that's awesome. I'm sorry, I have to get pregnant? (laughs) Mary's news is scary. And in verse 37, Gabriel reiterates a promise we see throughout scripture. With Team Universe, nothing is impossible, which is still kind of answering her but how though question. It's not going to be impossible. There's going to be a lot of things you'll learn along the way. I know that this is part of his answer because he said the Holy Ghost will come. And the Holy Ghost's job is to teach and to tell the truth. Just the fact that the Holy Ghost is going to come and be with her tells me she's going to learn a lot as she goes. And in verse 47, she expressed gratitude. She expressed gratitude. She knew she was about to face some of the harshest judgments ever to happen to women. And in their religion and their culture at that time, men had the right to publicly shame that woman if he wanted to. He had the right to absolutely break that engagement. He had the right to take her life. She was facing, she didn't know what. Any number of those consequences, but certainly some of them. Her reaction is completely inspirational. She said, behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Okay, I'm here for it. Let it just all happen the way you said it was going to happen. That trust, that level of surrender is not easy. And it doesn't come overnight. At least it never has for me. That level of trust in the team of like, okay, I know this is for a purpose. I also know you don't do things to just punish people. I also know you have my best interest in mind at all times means whatever the consequences are that come from this, I will accept them. Kind of reminds me of that thing from last week's episode of Betsy saying fleas are a part of the place God put us. So we're just going to be, we're going to be excited about the fleas too. And for Mary to say, okay, be it unto me according to thy word. I am at your service. I'll do this thing. Shows an incredible amount of trust. In Matthew 1, 18, it briefly describes Joseph's point of view. It says, before they came together, so before the wedding, she was found with child. Joseph didn't want to make her a public example, so he thought to put her away privily. He definitely was not going to go through with the wedding, but he didn't have ill will towards her. He didn't want to harm her further, so he wasn't going to make a public spectacle of her. Definitely wasn't going to have her stoned or beaten He was just going to privately break it off and move on. And Gabriel came again. I mean, it doesn't say Gabriel. I'm just assuming it was still Gabriel because it says the angel. And he came to Joseph in a dream and basically said the same thing again, as he's already said to Zacharias and to Mary, fear not. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. She has to do it this way. She has to be with child because she's a virgin, because that is the way that this prophecy is going to be fulfilled. And then Gabriel quoted the prophecy to Joseph, which I'm assuming Joseph was already familiar with because it was in their books of scripture. And he's saying she's going to bring forth a son, this son, the one that has been prophesied for generations through these scriptures. And everyone had to know that she wasn't married. She had to go through that nightmare scenario in order for that particular birth 
to be possible. This trial wasn't going to come as a result of a poor choice. It wasn't coming to teach her a lesson or to correct a behavior. She was chosen for this because she had a willing heart, among other reasons, I'm sure. But they do spend a lot of time (laughs) telling her, we examined your heart. This is what you are like. You're highly favored. You are choice. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And yet, you're going to have to go through this really big thing. It's going to be hard for you socially. It's going to be hard for you spiritually. It's going to be hard for you temporally. We spend a lot of time seeking blessings. We spend a lot of time trying to prevent trials. We resist them or we want to explain a trial or a blessing as either a punishment or a reward. But Team Universe just isn't manipulative. They They're not going around assessing our lives and our performances and determining, okay, now you've earned this blessing. Okay, oh, you've earned this punishment. They give us what we need in order to grow and progress because that is their purpose. Mary had to surrender knowing that she was going to be judged unfairly and inaccurately. She knew she was a virgin, but every single person that saw her pregnant was going to judge her as not a virgin. Why? Because that's our understanding of the way things work. She knew she was going to be judged unfairly and inaccurately. All she could offer was the truth, but very few people were going to accept it. And I have often thought about Jesus, the Jesus, in these scenarios we read about when he is in Jerusalem and how many ridiculous things he was accused of that were not true and how many ridiculous ways he was judged unfairly and inaccurately And he could have shut them down so many times. He could have proven who he was, but he didn't. He didn't need to. And so many times I've looked at that and said, how? How did he do that? How did he not have anything to prove? Because if someone believes something that's not true about me, I spend all of my time and energy until I can rectify that situation. I cannot handle someone believing something about me that is not true. And the amount of surrender that Mary had to have and Jesus, he was also raised as a worker son with a little bit of scandal shrouding his childhood, but he was raised by this Mary to accept trials as the way forward. She rejoiced in it. She said, I'm here for it. Be it unto me according to thy word. He was raised not to need the validation of everyone knowing he was blameless. As human beings, as long as we know who we are, then we can show up and play our part on Team Universe. We can show up with nothing to prove and nothing to hide and without wasting any time convincing anybody that we are in fact worthy to play on the team. It's the surrender of knowing every experience, be it a trial or a blessing. And most of the time, let's be honest, it's a combination of both. But every single experience we're going to have can be used for our benefit. And especially in the case of Zacharias and Mary, will also be used for the benefit of others. But you don't have to spend any time convincing anyone you're worthy to play. Team Universe is already ready to accept you on that team. That's all I got for this week. Please join again next week. The two examples we examined today were of two regular people who had to go through extraordinary paths. Their paths were filled with joy and rejoicing, just like that angel promised, but also difficulty and pain. And if we look closely, we'll see how Team Universe really came through for these regular people, just like they'll come through for us by us simply asking, but how though?